during 2021, we should be able to manufacture a lot of vaccines. And, and that vaccine, a uh, key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no, almost no uh, infection going on whatsoever. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission. Uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. We can kind of almost see the end. We're, we're vaccinating so very fast. Our data from the CDC today suggests, um, you know, that, that vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. That means the vaccines will get us to the end of this. Essentially, vaccines block you from getting and giving um, the virus. Fully vaccinated people are at a very, very low risk of getting COVID-19. Therefore, if you've been fully vaccinated, no longer need to wear a mask. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. We have all the vaccines we need. We just need our people to take it. A, for their own protection, for the protection of their family, but also to break the chain of transmission. You want to be a dead end to the virus. So when the virus gets to you, you stop it. You don't allow it to use you as the stepping stone to the next person. I think given the country as a whole, the fact that we have now about 50% of adults fully vaccinated and about 62% of adults having received at least one dose as a nation, I I'm, I feel fairly certain you're not gonna see the kind of surges mm-hmm. we've seen in the past. If you're vaccinated, you're not gonna be hospitalized, you're not gonna be in an ICU unit, and you're not going to die. You're okay. You're not going to. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Yeah. Welcome to the Daily Wrap Up concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours sunday june 19 2022 thank you for joining me today focus show today specifically on exactly what the title says very important conversation about and really to be quite honest as most of this COVID 19 discussion has been It would take five hours to truly include the full body of work that shows you everything that title encapsulates. But as always, the links to older shows and and the body of work from before, excuse me, as well as all the other work from people like Dr. McCullough and, 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 you know, others like Danny Danny Rancourt and plenty of people that have been really just producing outstanding work. Maybe not seeing things as, as exactly the same as everybody else out there. Or I would argue some of the people in our community, my point being things like germ theory, terrain theory, nonetheless, still very clearly focusing in on the fact that these things are dangerous. We need to stop being afraid to say these kind of things because it's obvious, not let alone not. I mean, 
the simple idea, as I've said many times, the word dangerous simply means can cause harm. It's quite obvious. They've even admitted that's possible. So it's obvious these are dangerous. But then you know what I mean when I'm saying that, which is why they take issue with it, because it's very clear that these things do not. The benefits do not outweigh the risks. And that's the real point, especially when it comes to children. And that's the that's what kind of triggered this conversation today. But we have a lot more to go over in regard to how obvious it is. And I'm just using new information. I'm going to do another discussion about hepatitis and the vaccine COVID-19 injection induced hepatitis autoimmune issue, which we're clearly seeing. I'd like seven different peer reviewed studies finding the same thing. And yet they act like it's a mystery and we're pointing at long COVID. It's insulting to your intelligence, everyone's intelligence, anybody. Now, we're also going to talk about the transition, the information going over into uh, ultimately the, the conversation we've been having a lot for a long time, which is a mixed bag. But really, the focal point today is going to be of the collapsing athlete, more specifically children. But it's really it ties in myocarditis and blood clots, heart attacks. It's all kind of a discussion around really, as always, what these things are doing to people and what are being cut co- and how that's being covered up as it goes forward. And it's incredible how many how many is it how many children, athletes, I mean, of all ages, really. But the focal point, again, is I want to bring it back to just children today. But it's I don't understand how this can continue to be not discussed. And I I understand that my argument is that the majority sees this. But nonetheless, excuse me, nonetheless, it's very interesting how even a lot of people in the independent media aren't seeing this and are are afraid to talk about it. And I get it. There's a lot of pushback happening, but we shouldn't be afraid to talk about these things. And we're also going to get into uh, specifically. To add, well, actually, a couple of different points about about the MMR vaccine. So I was wanting to say mRNA. It's like you get stuck on these certain terms. But we, for those that may not even be aware of this, and this is what's really crazy, is to see this continuity. The, the argument that's being that has been made from people like Andrew Wakefield, Dell Bigtree, obviously a central fixture in, in the pushback on COVID nineteen. But remember the Vax documentary. Remember the MMR vaccine and the conversations they were having. We should all be very, very open, especially those that are pushing back to what they were saying then. I mean, you saw my coverage then. I think they were right then, and they're still right now about what these things are doing, can do, and how it's being covered up. But it was an interesting point that we'll finish with on that today. But I want to start with a couple of foreign policy points that, as always, relate to everything that's going on really ties back to the dishonest nature of these authority figures and what they're doing overseas and why they act like they care about human rights, your freedom, equity, and whatever all the terms they float as they march around the world doing the exact opposite, calling it the same thing, but doing the exact opposite. Now we're going to start with those points, and I was going to include some Ukraine discussion, but I decided to push it off for today. Before we jump in in general, i just like to say Happy Father's Day to all of the genuine fathers out there, because as always, whether family is the same point they make all the time, family doesn't necessarily only mean people who are blood, right? Family is just the people that you guys are family. That's how I look at this, right? We have a community. We are family. There's plenty of fathers out there that are just, you know, don't care, right? And there's plenty of people that, you know, stepfathers, for example, that step into that role and become the father. You know, I am lucky enough to have an outstanding father and an outstanding stepfather, but a lot of people aren't blessed with that. But happy Father's Day to all the people out there that really truly embody what it means to be a father. On top of that, I want to give one more shout out and just uh, make a note of what's going on with Starks. I know a lot of you out there are very, are very concerned 
and I am as well. Now, she reached out to me and basically said that I don't want to get into all the details because a lot of it's stuff that I'm not even very familiar with, but she's having problems with her heart. And I just want to I want to make sure you guys understand that this is not based on what she wrote and discussed with the doctor saying, you know, people are going to have their thoughts in general. But this does, this is not a covid related concept. She's not sick with a respiratory virus and she's not someone who's been injected. So this is something that ties back to other things. But she's she's powering through and she's telling it, telling us all that she's going to be fine. and She's going to make it through. But we want to send our love and our positive energy because she is an amazing person and she deserves that from all of us. And. And we support you, Star. So we're waiting for you to get back. Now, I was just seeing that uh, somebody was commenting on the this this you know as you guys remember from, from what I've been going through. This is what people are talking about in the chat. So if you guys want to check out that in the chat, I'm not going to get into it today, but it means a lot to me. But so let's start off today with some foreign policy, which I think is really important. Actually, before that, just as I've been doing lately, a quick shout to kind of day by day, show by show, another example of where you guys can support this platform. More important than ever. This is Subscribestar. Now, I wanted to give this one a shout in general because this is a platform that I don't really point out a lot. There's a lot of reasons early on, as always, I'm very skeptical about any platform, but they've really shown themselves. I can't say I know for sure. I don't know the people behind it. I don't know whether tomorrow they might censor, but based on the track records thus far, they've shown themselves to stand behind at least me and other people on the platform. I've been posting the same content that's getting censored everywhere else, and Subscribestar has never really given an issue at all, not, not given a single issue. No one censorship, no suppression that I can tell, and it seems to be growing. Maybe we'll find out later. I hope not. But right now, if you want to support us right now, this is one place you can go. And you can donate on here like you could on Patreon, one time, continuous, and so on. So just other ways you can support this platform. Two other notes I wanted to share on that point is really, uh, in this case, Wire.com. I forget to shout this out all the time. I, I do a ping right before I go live, whether it's interviews or daily wrap up, just from my work from Ryan Christian specifically. And I do a, a, a ping basically. I should actually, I take that back. I do it for when I air the interviews from Taylor and so on as well. But all you got to do is get, take the app here, search for the last American vagabond, uh, you know, join the club. I have to admit you in, and then you'll be part of that group. That means we can communicate on side groups of that, of that connection as well as I give you pings and let you know when I'm going live. So just more ways that we can make sure we continue to connect because this will end, guys. As Corbett's been saying, and he's been proven right, this will come to an end. They will censor us like they've shown you they will over and over and over. And the technocratic side of this is getting really close to where it will, probably won't just be your suspended again where I jump to a pirate account. We're getting to a point where they're going to do something different. So make sure you do not lose connection with us. Not just TLAV, but everybody else out there doing similar work that you want to continue to support. And it came to my attention, actually, that even though I, I show these on the show a lot, apparently some people are unaware that we have a website. TheLastAmericanVagabond.com is where you should go to continue to stay up with this, with TLAV work in general. This is important to check out as I keep showing you guys. I mean, we are under desperate attack right now. It's incredible. And it's what's interesting as I'm showing you is I, I, I always consider whether this is, you know, just a downturn or content's not as good or so on. But our engagement is is exponentially higher than ever. When you look at the videos, we're getting more views on BitChute and Rumble and everywhere else than ever before. But the traffic on the website is continually decreasing. And it's weird, as you'll notice, that when I get certain people to share it who have or are outside the circle or different audiences, suddenly everything picks up again. And people that are in our circles are like, oh, I didn't even see that. It's being suppressed. And we know this is happening. 
I'm not going to stop. I don't care if this goes down to zero views a day. I'll keep doing this because it means a lot to me. And I know it means a lot to you and you guys continue to support us. <clears throat> Nonetheless, I've said every day and I'll probably have to continue saying we're under attack. Support the last American vagabond in any way you can. Now, foreign policy. I just have to make a couple of quick points that I just couldn't believe and the rest of the show will be COVID-19 focused. U.S., according to Zero Hedge, and I'll show you the actual report, U.S. asks Israel, you know, by the way, just the group that we literally just went over from the United Nations, openly calling them out as the central player in why there's a conflict, why there's why there is human rights violations, calling them out for everything. We have multiple international groups, Amnesty International, Beth Selim, Human Rights Watch, all calling it an apartheid state. This is openly happening now. It doesn't matter where you politically stand on this. The world has shifted in how it views the reality, by the way, of what's happening in occupied Palestine, which is that the Israeli government, the Zionist-led Israeli government, is abusing the idea of their of the Jewish or of the the religion in general, of the idea of Jewish religion, and using that to achieve its Zionist goals. Right? You can read into these documentation, and they're not saying that explicitly, but what they're saying is they're calling it a Jewish supremacy state. It's important that we say these things, not because it's racist, but because that is what is happening. It's like pointing out what happened in South Africa. Okay, This is the reality. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody Jewish is this way or everybody in that country is the same way. It's the same thing with Ukraine. But we have to be able to have honest conversations about this stuff. And what's crazy about it is that we can recognize that these international groups, even the ones that used to say otherwise, and the United Nations, and the different commissions they set up, are all calling it out. You can't keep saying, well, that's just racist, because that's not the case. Now, somebody may be out there who has a racist mentality that also points at that truth. Now, just because they're racist doesn't make that not a truth. This is what we need to recognize. Now, the reason I say that is because today's show seems to be a point of saying the things we're not supposed to say, even though it's the truth, guys. That's the reality. Now, you guys know me well enough, and somebody will take these things out of context. There's not a racist concept point in my body. I always fight for the voiceless. That's what I do. And in this case, the voiceless, or rather, which seems to be shifting, but always historically has been, the Palestinians. That's the reality. Now, this is what's important to see today, is the U.S. asked Israel to pause mistreatment of Palestinians until Biden's visit is gone. Can you believe that? I mean, this is not just what Zero is saying. This is actually what they said on the record. The U.S. asked Israel to avoid actions that could create tensions, how they frame it. But listen to what it actually says. Barbara Leaf, the U.S. Assistant Secretary of State, basically says, I'll read what they write right here. Leaf asks Israel to halt actions like home demolitions, evictions of Palestinians, and decisions on settlement buildings, you know, war crime, war crime, war crime, openly discussed by the international community, as well as decrease Israeli military operations, all which are illegal, in the West Bank until after, well, I, I should, after Biden's visit. Military operations by default in West Bank are not illegal, but what we've been seeing are open shooting of Palestinians on the street or all sorts of illegal actions taking place. In any case, what we're talking about is them going, just don't do all those things that we all acknowledge are bad just until I'm out of the way. So they don't care that they're doing them. They don't care that Palestinians are suffering. They don't care that the international community they're supposed to be a part of are obviously calling this what it is. They just don't care. Just don't do it while I'm there. But we certainly care about human rights over there in that country, don't we? Why would anybody believe that? It doesn't, matter, it doesn't even matter what the other country is. Why would you believe they care about these things if they don't care about them here? Either they're racist or they're liars. You choose. The bottom line is this needs to be called out because that's the reality. Now on to Yemen, which also includes the Israeli government as well as the U.S. government. Shocker, I know. United Arab Emirates mercenaries rape 
of six minor girls sparks fury in Yemen's Hodeida. A friend of mine shared this with me today. This is from today. This is horrific, guys. Now, again, same point. Where's all the collective outrage in the international community? Right? They're still floating the lie about Russian soldiers raping children in Ukraine, despite the fact that the Ukraine government openly acknowledged that was completely made up from whole cloth. Doesn't mean it couldn't have happened, but there's no evidence for it, which is simply the reality. Right? She was fired. She spoke on podcasts saying she made it up. The Ukraine government said they made it up, and yet there are still mainstream outlets that are corporate outlets that are making that claim. So here we are in a different situation, you know, in the Yemen country where where they're currently blockading and starving to death and nobody cares about that in the international community they all point at it quietly and never really do anything about it they'll scream endlessly about ukraine while they're the ones involved but the point is this happens and they don't say a word the rape of six minor girls in yemen's western coastal province of hodeida this is the hodeida being the central point in this whole occupation have provoked outrage in the country after it was learned that Takfiri terrorists supported by the United Arab Emirates have perpetrated the the horrendous crime. Now, this is, of course, coming from you many people, officials, so you can factor that in, as always, which I'm increasingly hearing some people don't like when I'm objective. (laughs) Certainly, they could be lying. Oh, don't say that. I mean, it's certainly possible. I don't think that's what's happening. A chorus of outrage has erupted across the areas with local residents demanding the immediate expulsion of the UAE-backed mercenaries. And if we're saying UAE-backed, we're saying Saudi-backed, we're saying U.S. government-backed. And in fact, very clearly, as Whitney Webb has written about, as I've covered, USA involved, because we know that they are operating torture prisons in Yemen run by the United Arab Emirates. This has been exposed by Mint Press News. Whitney Webb wrote the article. This has been discussed by plenty of people. And there's, there's been photographed documentation of U.S. personnel on the ground while these things were happening. So just be clear about this. This is something that at the very least the U.S. is complicit in, whether they were doing it or not. And that's because this is being allowed and acknowledged and the open war crimes being committed in Yemen are OK because they're achieving an end to the U.S. government. The support of the accused has added insult to injury and sparked a massive wave of anger. Shocking. Right. Same way. It's like sort of like relentlessly bombing and and attacking and ethnically cleansing people in you pick the location, Palestine, Iraq, Afghanistan. And then, of course, blaming them as the terrorists. Right. You see your family exploded in front of you and then you're called a terrorist in the corporate media. I wonder what that would do to somebody. The organization went on to denounce the continued international silence on the crimes, blaming the inaction of the United Nations. I know it's unfair. It never happened before. Right. The United Nations has shown itself to be not that there's not people in there that try to do the right thing. That's what I would guess based on people like even Morales, who was once there not too long ago. The point, though, is that nonetheless, it's become it is a paper. It is a it is a toothless tiger. It does not actually do anything after it stands up and says, we call for de-escalation on all sides while one side's murdering somebody. But it says blaming the inaction on the United Nations and all the bodies for the per- for the perpetration of these heinous acts and their negative re- repercussions on the Yemeni society. It underscored that the rapes fall into the category of war crimes and crimes against humanity. Right. They love to scream about those two things when they point at anything Ukraine says Russia does. But we have evidence of this happening and nobody speaks up about it. Where's all the corporate media? Calling on civil society organizations, media outlets, and human rights activists to expose violations and atrocities being committed by the Saudi-led, the U.S.-led Saudi coalition against Yemeni children and women. 
Now, the Yemeni official who spoke on anonymity said the Saudi-led coalition forces and their allied militants have violated the U.N. brokered ceasefire at least 178 times during the past 24 hours. Now, he spoke on anonymity under under, under a condition of anonymity, so he could be lying about that. I never trust somebody speaking on just how I go and how anybody should operate in this situation. But the point is, we've had historical documentation about this, where they this is exactly what's been done, provably, by the UN calling this out. That they go, let's grab a ceasefire. And then the moment they pull back, they push in. And of course, this is like when Pompeo would never, they didn't do anything. And the UN's going, yeah, we just watched them do that. That's, That's what happens. So the US narrative overtakes the international community observation. The Yemeni military officials stated that 62 shooting incidents were also reported in multiple areas. The shots struck residential buildings as well as positions of Yemeni armed forces and fighters. Right, So it sounds like Ukraine, right? Where the good guys are just indiscriminately shooting all sorts of civilian areas and nobody talks about it. This is what we continue to see. Yemeni, and of course, air quotes around good guys. It's obviously the point here. Yemeni army forces and popular committee fighters also came under rocket attacks at least 25 different times, you know, during the ceasefire. While the Saudi-led coalition has failed to meet any of its objectives, which were, as we've talked about, reinstalling Hadi, who, by the way, is not even in the running anymore, yet this continues. So obviously that was not really what they're doing, and that you've all known that if you're paying attention or watching this show. But the point is they've, none of their objectives have been achieved. The war has killed hundreds of thousands of humanities, both by action and by starvation, and spawned the world's worst humanitarian crisis. But, you know, it'll go on for tomorrow. Because U.S. agenda, right? None of that seems to matter. I mean, how in the world can this kind of story not happen or not change anything? Where's the conversation? Shouldn't this even be acknowledged? But it won't be. You won't see a peep about this from the corporate media that love to shed crocodile tears for the people they choose to support, especially when they're the good guys. Now, one other point here. Two more points in the same context. Russian escalations in Syria risk direct conflict with U.S. military. (laughs) Officials warn. So it sounds all big and bad, right? Russia's bombing Syria? What a bad guy. Well, what's actually happening is the Russian military, with the agreement and support of the Syrian government, is bombing terrorists on the ground, which are being supported by the U.S. government. Now, they'll frame that as, you know, U.S.-backed personnel, which which aren't U.S. troops. We're talking the very same people, the moderate rebels. It's the same entities. They just still can't get in the... There's a brief moment where they were forced to admit they were not the people we were told they were. There's no such thing as moderate rebels. These are bad, bad, bad people that just happen to be supported by the U.S. government. Therefore, moderate rebels. Briefly, they had to admit that, and they went right back to it. No, no, these are rebels. These are... are, I mean, you'll see exactly how they discuss it here. The bottom line is, who is in the Syrian country legally? Who is invited to be there? Who is conducting military operations with the sovereign government of Syria? The Russian government. So how in the world did anything the Russia is doing there conflict with U.S. military? Because the U.S. military is there illegally. So it's the U.S. military presence that's illegally conflicting with the Syrian and Russian legal actions. That's how you're supposed to hear this if you're honest with yourself. But they will not say that. Because, as always, the journalists here are not speaking truth to power. They're towing the powerful line. It's what they do. It's painfully obvious. They must know that. They don't care. Russian forces have conducted a series of operations against the U.S.-led coalition. So the terrorists on the ground that they're supporting in Syria this month, including one this week at a strategically located base in the southern part of the country. We're talking Altumpf, you know, the, the concentration camp they're running there where multiple, I mean, I forget how much it was. 
hundreds and hundreds of Syrian families were kept there on the record. And there's obvious and documented cases of ISIS and other different Al-Qaeda entities operating freely within that territory. I've done this extensively on this show. Plenty of people have done the same. At Whitney Webb has written numerous articles about Altam. It's a horrific place where these people were held captive as if, and then the U.S. government pretends they're protecting them. Sort of sound like what Ukraine was doing. You start to see the overlap. On Wednesday, Russia carried out airstrikes on the Altamf garrison near Syria's border with Jordan in southeast, Syria, in southeast Syria, where U.S. troops have a train and advise mission with local fighters. You mean Syrians? No. Syrian government? No. Military? No. So who exactly? Who exactly is the U.S. government training if it's not the Syrian military inside of Syria? <laughs> oh, oh, I see the moderate rebels. I mean, how do you even make an argument about that? So you're illegally in the country, correct. You're illegally taking action in the country, correct. You're illegally occupying territory. You're illegally training and arming people that aren't Syrian military. That is simple terrorism, guys. That's occupation. And and I just can't even, it's, it's laugh out loud ridiculous how they frame this stuff. Now it says the, that they, and it says, here's the worth, the best part. Why are they there to train and advise unknown entities that aren't associated with the Syrian government? Oh, of course, to prevent the resurgence of the very group they're working with, the Islamic State. How pathetic. Russia noted the U.S. through a communications line, and here's the best part, notified. They're acting like there's a conflict, and what they did is dangerous. Yeah, except they called them and said, hey, we're about to do this. Make sure you get out of the way. Not a joke. Through a communications line set up years ago, which Russia is still using, told them that they're going to be doing this. And it goes on to say that, the, uh, I'll just read it, I lost my spot. It says, the years ago it was conducting, it, said it, was, it was conducting the airstrikes in response to an alleged attack against Syrian government forces. So, the Syrian government's attacked. There's only, another, who are they fighting? <laughs> Obviously, a U.S.-backed entity. So the U.S. government and its backed entities are attacking the sovereign Syrian government. Russia, who is, is legally allowed to be there, conducts airstrikes against the forces doing that. And they frame it as Russia's dangerously taking action inside of Syria. I mean, it should make you laugh out loud. It may have resulted in injuries in a destroyed vehicle. Well, whose fault would that be? U.S. military? They said, hey, we're coming. Get out of the way. And hours later, an attack took place. And they go, oh, you destroyed a vehicle. <laughs> well, why in the hell would you leave the vehicle there if you knew an attack was coming? So probably so they could yell like this. The advance notice of the strike suggested to the U.S. that the Russian military wasn't actively targeting American troops but was harassing the U.S. mission in Syria. You mean the illegal occupation? As in, I mean, I, God, I just, this is so pathetic. The only person that will buy this as narrative as the reality is people that politically agree with it. That's it. Obviously, they weren't targeting your troops. They said, hey, guys, we're going to bomb right there. Move your troops. That's a pretty big, we, we assume they weren't targeting us, harassing the mission in Syria. My God, I mean, this is just childish. Then finally, the one that they don't want to talk about, right? So they're going to freak out about this obvious legal action taken against illegal occupiers. And then, of course, in the reverse, Israel strikes Gaza, an illegally occupied location, after they claim a rocket was fired, which I don't see any evidence of, which certainly doesn't mean it didn't happen. But how often? I mean, where's the due diligence? A short while ago, in response to a rocket attack, the Israeli military struck a number of Hamas targets. Of course, they call them terror targets, whatever that means. You know, the the legitimately voted in group is terror targets. But the point is, as always, this is an illegally occupied territory, as regarded by all the human rights organizations, as the recent commission from the U.N. just acknowledged. And the U.N. has always maintained, which means, according to the Geneva Conventions, they have the right to armed rebellion. 
that's the end of the story, guys. Not a big deal, right? It's not, not a, no, I shouldn't say it like, no, it's obviously a big deal. Not a hard thing to understand. That's where the story ends. And you have to understand that even if they shot first, that they, they're illegally occupied. This is international law. All the arguments from after that have been manipulations. The bottom line is they say a rocket was fired, which would have been their right. Then instead of doing an investigation or proving that even happened, they just immediately bomb multiple locations of Hamas inside the area. How do you know Hamas fired it? There's multiple groups. There's Islamic Jihad. It could have been Mossad. It could have been CIA. Of course, we were allowed to dismiss those possibilities. But the point is, nobody actually proved anything, as I say every time. And of course, then you can take a step back and realize that Israel has written down multiple times that anytime a rocket flies, whether or not they even prove that it actually did, they get to bomb Hamas because they hold Hamas responsible for anything that happens. Isn't that an easy way to just pretend something happens and bomb locations you've already wanted to bomb? I mean, the fact that you, if you can't acknowledge that's possible based on what's happened before, then you're, you're taking a political side. This is ridiculous. Now, all of that aside, let's say they did fire a rocket. Doesn't it matter, as even they admit down here, that it happens after multiple Palestinians were shot and killed inside of the, I mean, come on, guys. This is not just where it starts. All that aside, occupied illegally. Therefore, they have the right to armed rebellion. This is why the story is shifting, because people like Robert Inlakesh have been relentless at making sure people see what's actually happening. Crimes against humanity. War crimes. Last point, foreign policy. I'm going to play this video for you, and the rest today is going to be focused on COVID-19. Now, you may have seen this already. I'm sure most of you have. It's been reported a lot, but it's important for our audience, if you haven't seen it, to understand that this just happened. The UK government just approved Julian Assange's extradition. And politicians and the media would prefer you ignore the reality of his case and their crusade against him. Here's the here. This is a part of her full video. The links in the comments here. I'll play just this part. So I, I, I hope you guys still support Carrie Wedler. Outstanding work. I still I wish she still had anti-media up. But the point here, guys, is that the UK, their standing re point has always been that, well, because the U.S. could potentially put him to death. That's against the law for them. That didn't change. Just because the U.S. goes, we promise we won't do that. <laughs> yeah, we know how much the promises, how good these promises tend to be coming from the U.S. government of any decade. But they just broke the law by doing so, which was always what we expected, because the law doesn't apply to these people. They don't care. So listen to this. Execution of Julian Assange is proof the ruling class's highest priority isn't you, democracy, humanity, or truth. It's preserving their own violent authority. And they're making an example of him because he exposed the brutal nature of their power. Democrat Joe Biden, who supported and helped continue America's catastrophically failed wars and talks a big game about the free press, is eager to prosecute the man who revealed American violence against journalists during the Republican George Bush administration. Biden loves to blame Republicans for all of America's problems, yet he won't seize a golden opportunity to protect someone who revealed grotesque misconduct under one of the worst Republican administrations in American history and one of the worst in American history in general. After all, he voted for that war when he was a senator, to this day is complicit in perpetuating the failed U.S. empire elsewhere, and bragged about crafting the War on Terror Patriot Act the Bush administration imposed at the expense of civil liberties in the name of protecting people. I asked the Attorney General this because I got a call when he introduced the Patriot Act. He said, Joe, I'm introducing the act basically as you wrote it. Meanwhile, Republicans love to blame Democrats for destroying America, yet most refuse to step out of rank with the Biden administration's attempts to extradite Assange and prosecute him. Maybe that's because they're shameless war crime enablers, or maybe it's because the charges were filed by Donald Trump's administration using a law passed by authoritarian Democrat Woodrow Wilson and exercised excessively by another authoritarian Democrat. Hashtag two-party illusion, guys, for crying out loud.
Barack Obama. Spoiler alert, it's both. Regardless, all this proves is that it doesn't matter what team color or ideology politicians pledge allegiance to. Left and right both perpetuate the imperial war machine and will protect it at all costs, including going after Assange while spouting platitudes about peace, humanitarianism, and a free press. Administrations on both sides have aggressively attacked him for shining light on government abuses, and war machine apologists chastise him for breaking the law and claim he put people at risk, while they hypocritically defend the U.S. government doing the exact same thing in light of evidence of horrific behavior. Never forget the U.S. is prosecuting him under the Espionage Act, which along with its partner bill, the Sedition Act, was intended to crush opposition to U.S. involvement in World War I, the global conflict of power-hungry governments that set the stage for the American government to claim moral authority to police the world in the name of democracy. The exact same propaganda paradigm at play in the Iraq war and often the broader war on terror. It has always been about power and control and the ruling classes believe that they possess ultimate authority, not only to commit violence, but also to crush your freedom to question it and dissent. She's outstanding. She reminds me, she's, she's like a, a, a female version of me talking really fast and out, just outstanding two-party illusion. Somebody else I'd like to take on a date, like Miss, Miss Bailey. <laughs> but no, the point here, guys, is that it's, it's, obviously the two-party illusion conversation, right? That's such an important thing for us to understand. And, uh, and here's another side point. It's interesting to me, of all the people that have been pushed off and censored, it's it, they, very early on, people like Kerry Wedler got completely wiped long before people were even a, like truly acknowledging how real the censorship was. And do you wonder why that is? Look at what she's talking about. These are the kind of people they're most concerned about. They don't care. They will love if you dive into the parties, the partisanship, whether you're attacking the left from the left or all the BS, right? You are still part of the two-party paradigm. If you can't acknowledge that all of them are just as ridiculous and evil and, and corrupt, the left and the right and the progressives and the, the whole thing, guys, if you are taking a side in the two-party paradigm and you can't acknowledge that they're all the same, then you are part of the problem. That what that This is what continues. I just, I, she does such a great job calling this stuff out. It's, it's outstanding. Now, to go forward on a couple more points here, partisanship discussions. Here's an interesting thing I saw. The Supreme Court is likely to overturn its Miranda decision, seriously, which means it would be up to the state legislatures to decide whether police are even required to warn people about their rights. Oh, it's that's, that's not like we're just sprinting in the direction of your rights meaning nothing, huh? We're all crazy conspiracy theorists, right? How ridiculous is this? Now, I don't even know if it's going to actually happen. Sort of like, doesn't seem that Roe versus Wade is, you know, <laughs> going to pause it forever and just keep, it seems like it maybe was meant to just get people riled up. Either way, as I said, all these large political, legal, and ideological shifts feel artificial to me, creating confusion, uncertainty, and fear. Remember, the powers that shouldn't be do, uh, do, do need to destroy it all first before it can be reimagined. Right. So if they tear these things out of the ground and act like when people start going crazy, it's because the system doesn't work. Realize it's something that they're creating. And then, as I pointed out here, just I'll just read this to you. This is from uh, Mr. Clay Travis, you know, the one that I remember from that very, very suspicious school board meeting that got used to create the illusion that all these people were violent, whether you meant to do it or not. He says, Elon Musk is not trying to protect the billionaire class. He's trying to protect sanity in an insane world. <laughs> I said, I said, partisanship is the antithesis of logic, the opposite, as seen below. Hashtag two-party illusion. Now, here's my point, guys. How in the world are you going to pretend as an honest person that you know what he wants? Did you, I mean, you could, see, even if you spoke to him and had an interview, how do you know what he actually wants? This is like saying what Putin feels, what he wants, what his intentions are. You don't know what, what Elon Musk is actually trying to accomplish. That's a partisan talking point. 
he's become the darling of the right, right? He's going to protect us all. All of a sudden, oh, look, Biden didn't invite him for this conversation. They, they're painting him as some sort of hero. And there's nothing to back that up. But the fact that they claim he was going to buy Twitter and that he's, I guess, a Republican. I mean, this is ridiculous. I could be wrong. Let's just make that clear. Maybe he is going to save us all. If he does, I'll be happy about it. But come on, guys. He's a, he, I mean, this is the joke about, you know, what, what is, it's by one billionaire taking over another billionaire because they know what's best for you, right? Good God. Partisanship is melting people's brains and we need to get past that. Now, on that same note, last point, here's somebody pointing out, one cannot even call a literal pedophile a pedo on Truth Social. Whatever the ultimate means, which people they are calling, the point is it's free speech, right? That's all true social point. It was always a conservative gatekeeping operation, and it, and, it all, and it was always DOA. That's what she's saying, or Vox is saying. But here's the point they're making, is this person saying she just got, and you could actually, I forgot to bring it up, but just in her thread, she talks about more and post information. But she got caught. She caught Truth Social censoring her posts about pedophiles, big time, she says. Hang on, I'm about to record some videos. Then you can go through her feed and check it out. The point is that these are people talking about, both left and right, of people in the government who are, suspected people that are abusing children, right? And they're censoring stuff on Truth Social. Truth Social. That's not the first time we've seen this. So just uh, people need to start recognizing this is not on one side or the other. These are setting up areas that allow you to think these are happening the right way. And they're just, as she points out, or as this tweet pointed out, a gatekeeping operation. Now, I can't say that I know that for sure, but it seems pretty obvious when we see these things happen. I've already been censored on most of these platforms. There was the weird moment where I was <clears throat> unable to post and they were like, oh, we, it was a glitch or whatever. And there's multiple people like us saying the same thing. I think there's more going on here than we realize. <clears throat> now, it brings us to the approval. The approval? The approval of shots for under five? Apparently so. Health Day says they've been approved. Look at that. I didn't know they were approved. They're not, is the point. But according to Health Day, Spreading medical misinformation, the FDA approves Pfizer Moderna shots. Yeah, yeah, that's not going to be censored. And in fact, I'm not calling for it to be censored. But think about that. That is literally blatantly incorrect. That is straight up a lie or distant misinformation because we're going to argue they don't know what they're doing, right? Here's another one. This is from a local radio station. FDA's approval of COVID shots for kids under five. Look at that. That's not true, but that's going to stay there, and they're going to love to talk about it. And you know what? It's not just small places. Here's PBS. FDA advisors approve COVID-19 vaccine shots for kids. These will not be touched. In fact, they're being promoted by other people in the corporate media. Why? Because they want you to confuse these two terms. They want you to believe these have been approved. You know why? Because then you can pretend that it's safe and effective. They have been emergency authorized, and that's the point. And I'm going to tell you why I think that's illegal, why I know that's illegal. And by the way, it's been that way for a long time now. Approved, they say. Think about that as we're being literally censored for fake news and medical misinformation while pointing at peer-reviewed science. People are blatantly lying about the reality, whether they know it or not. And it's a, these are allowable lies, allowable misinformation. As I said in the beginning, remember, when, remember how many times I said this in the beginning? You could go on right now on the same point, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. You can go on and literally claim that the vaccine will make you grow wings and fly. How about we make, I, I did the same thing last time. How about we just simply say, you take this vaccine and you'll never die. You'll never get sick again if you take this vaccine. Prove me wrong. If you go out there and make that claim and you stand by it, they will not censor you. I have not seen a single person censored by making 
bombastic claims about what these things can do, even though it's obvious it's the exact opposite. What does that show you? You're allowed to lie in the direction of what they want you to think. You're not allowed to tell the truth in the opposite direction. Think about that. It's pretty unsettling, isn't it? Well, here's what the FDA is actually saying. Authorizes. I love how they leave emergency out of the title, of course, because it's not, they want the same thing. Because authorized in other parts of the world does mean something different. But see, this is why they play this game. Children down to six months of age. How disgusting. You know, the children that are at literally one in a million chance of dying. I mean, this is, I mean, it's so much worse than this now, especially with all the problems we're going to go through that this very, very clearly can create in especially children, but authorized emergency use. Just so that's clear, just in case somebody was wondering if I was correct. The FDA on June 17th authorized emergency use of these injections for the prevention of COVID-19, they claim, in fact, for, you know, which is funny, which is like literally the opposite of what it's doing, including use in children down to six months of age. How can they get away with saying it's approved when it has been approved? Because they're lying in the direction of the narrative. And that's okay to them. But here's the thing to think about, guys. There's multiple reasons why right this moment, right this moment, these are illegal emergency authorizations based on their own logic. Now, actually, what I should have done is pull up some older articles about it. I don't know if I'll be able to pull them up. I'll I'll read these off while we're grabbing it. But I've done numerous shows about the emergency authorization. Let me see if I just do EUA. That pops up. Back to it. But we've had numerous shows on emergency authorization, both from the FDA's documents, the CDC's documents, and what it actually means. Which, by the way, is very clear. It's still listed. It means that they don't know the full risks and they don't know the full benefits. But the point is, what they do know outweighs what they do know. Right? Or uh, to be clear, the benefits they do know outweighs the risks that they do know. But it means that we don't know for sure. It means they can need to be studied. And that's when the approval eventually comes in, when they can prove that it is definitely safe and effective. But that's where the whole safe and effective mantra came from, because as long as the benefits outweigh the risks, remember all that, they're allowed to emergency authorize it. They're in, this is prior to the approval under the claim that it's necessary because of how dangerous this is. That's the first point. It's obvious this is not very dangerous for the vast majority of people, and it never really has been. But let's just pretend since Omicron, they're now even admitting that. So how can you pretend that it's that dangerous? Oh, well, long COVID, you mean the thing that they're ambiguously pointing at, but nobody can really define or prove, right? Even though it's obvious that's not what's happening, psychosomatic and otherwise. That's, that, is the, that is their central play, but even that's completely off. But how about the idea that we're no longer in an emergency? Didn't Fauci himself say we're no longer in the pandemic phase? You don't just get to drag your feet. If we're not in the pandemic phase, it's not an emergency. You don't just get to say we're in an emergency forever because of this ongoing thing. Oh, there's a case yesterday. Oh, we're still there. Hasn't gone away completely means it never will. That's the point. We're still in an emergency for 9-11. We're still in an emergency for opioid crisis. Well, they're just gonna, because they just use that to abuse their power. But the point is, we are currently not. We never really were. How about the next point? Effective alternative treatments. Remember that one? Well, guess what, guys? They've kind of shot themselves in the foot, haven't they? Because they're the ones screaming the wonders of their Paxlovid, right? It's totally safe and effective. Oops, guess what? Even though it's not, and they're admitting that in other discussions, that means that if you have an alternative treatment that you're not supposed to be authorizing emergency uses of things. How about the next one? Approved alternative injections. Well, there's three things to talk about right there. Well, we just discussed the approved alopecia medicine that they go, oh, also treats COVID. (laughs) 
That's that's a nice little shoehorn right there. Oh, it treats COVID too. Well, okay, fine then. So if you claim it does, that's an approved alternative. That's supposed to make it not useful. How about the fact that the we're going to get into the end today? They're now suggesting the MMR vaccine is the right thing to do because it helps COVID. Well, that's another alternative treatment. All these things are things approved, they say. But how about just the simple reality that they keep telling us there's an approved COVID injection? <laughs> what about that whole gem, right? Didn't community get approved? Well, isn't anybody suspicious about why that's still not being used? For crying out loud, we must be. The point is, this is one of my main points in the larger discussion of why people see this. Everybody can see that. Nobody is sitting back going, that's logical why they haven't used the approved version. There's either people that have blindly trusted them and just assume that it's being used, even though it's obviously and verifiably not, as if you push in, they'll admit that. Or they go, well, that's weird. Right? There's a lot of people that see that. The point is, and maybe they don't understand why, because once they start using that, well, you can sue them for what happens afterward. They're waiting for the children to get approved, and they're right on the doorstep of that, because that creates indemnity for the whole project. Right now, they're acting like it's approved so they can push in the things they're doing now, even though they're not even using it. But the point is, if there's an approved COVID injection, they're not allowed to emergency authorize. That's in their own documentation. I've shown you myself. Or how about the fact that we keep showing you that they've lapsed on their emergency authorization continuation? About seven times I can see where they go, oh, they're supposed to they're supposed to approve this every 90 days, right? Well, there's been multiple examples of them going almost a week past that and then approving it again. So during that week time frame, every injection giving under emergency authorization, every lockdown, every mandate under emergency authorization were all illegal because they did not have a state of emergency in place. You don't just get to pretend it lasted over the week you weren't there. Why that happened, I don't know. But those are all reasons why this shouldn't be here. How about the simple and obvious reality, and this is something they'll disagree with, that the benefits do not outweigh the risks. Period. It's obvious that's the case. Especially, I mean, if you want, let's just say you want to even play this game, which I don't agree with. I don't think is the case that elderly people are the ones that should take it well because they could have some benefit. That's how you're kind of throwing them a bone. Let's stop doing that. That's not true. It's obviously not true, especially since their own documentation literally outlines that frail people with comorbidities are not safe or they don't know or haven't proven this is safe. I'll grab that since I listed it. Illegal EU, here's just one of the illegal EUAs. I was this is the I was look understanding the numbers here. I'll include those two and yeah, I'll leave it right there. So frail patients with comorbidities, right here. This is from the most recent document from Comernity, supposedly the approved one. Use in frail patients with comorbidities, right? Well, one of the obvious and most central fat categories within that is elderly. Frail people with multiple comorbidities. That's a lot of elderly people. It says right there, limited information on safety of the vaccine in people that are frail with multiple com- Well, there you go. That is the point. It's not. They don't know if it's safe for people. It's just, it's, it's incredibly, oh, here, I wasn't, I wasn't showing it right here, just so we can see it again. Right there. February 2022. So the benefits do not outweigh the risks for, for everybody. And that's what we need to see. All the super rare things that aren't actually rare, they put in a gigantic pile, are much, much, much more alarming for people that are dealing with a seemingly less flu or less situation, if that's even what we're talking about. 
So bottom line, guys, there every which way you look at this, unless you're just politically ignoring facts, is that this is dangerous and illegal. Especially when we talk about children, five to six month old. Makes my heart hurt. No pun intended. No, I include these so you guys can check out these discussions if you'd like about the EUA. But let's do this to finish off this focal point. Then I'm going to go over a couple more points on why why she's correct. Here is Dr. Claire Craig. Four-minute video outlining why what they just did, the FDA with children, is outrageously wrong. But the data is the opposite what they're saying and how they fudge the information to show what they wanted to show, which is what keeps happening. And I mean, there's only so many highly credentialed experts, doctors, scientists that you can ignore as fake news or anti-science just because they say so. Huh. Oh, you know what? That's frustrating. Let me see if this is loud. I don't think it is. I'm going to have to download that. Let me download this for really quickly. I, I was downloading it in the process, and it looks like I forgot to grab it. Let's see. Maybe I'll come back to it in one second after I get this moving. Okay. Get that rolling. Okay. So the point is that she speaks on the, on the process they took. And I, I will play it. I'm just letting it download. And the process that she took or they took, and why it's completely unjustified, what they did, hiding data. And what, one thing I'm going to show you next after we play this is the reality that they, they, this is where the 14 to 21 day period before the first shot comes into play, which I'm, I'm going to make this point as we get done with the video, but I'll show you real quickly again, as I've made clear before, uh, where was it actually? Oh, it's, oh shoot, it's actually way down here. We'll get to it in a minute. But the idea that the data is undeniable it shows you that the majority of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths, for those in the podcast, there's graphs right here, the majority of these things happen within the first 21 days of the, sh- of, of the shot. And the point is that they are argue that anything that happens there is considered unvaccinated. That's what they say in their own documentation. But they know the majority of it happens there, which is exactly why that's happening. It's just, it's completely, un- it's illegal. I mean, every possible way, it's, it's criminal what's happening. Here we go. Downloading it right here. Good. All right, let me play it for you. Dr. Claire Craig, I'm a diagnostic pathologist and I'm co-chair of the Heart Group. And I want to take you through the evidence that Pfizer just presented to the FDA on the six-month to four-year-old children. There's an awful lot about this trial that has shocked me and I think will shock you too. The trial recruited 4,526 children aged from six months to four years old. 3,000 of these children did not make it to the end of the trial. That is a huge number. And this is where it comes in like the other trials where they they (laughs) argue some sort of um, justification. That, oh, well, they had something that was from, they got sick or something happened. And, and what they'll argue is if it happens within that time frame, they just push it off. And there's been examples of, of things happening well past 21 days. They still kick down the road and say it wasn't associated. And we never get to find out why. Well, obviously, it should have been discussed. So what happened to these 3,000 kids? My guess is they had very serious problems that they just discounted for fill in the blank. Because it happened in 14 days or for 15 days or whatever. Or just moved it because they didn't want you to see it. In any case, that's a huge red flag. 
two thirds of them. Why two, was there this two thirds that needs to be answered? And without an answer to that, I mean, I'm sorry to stop again, guys. Think about how ridiculous that is. I don't care what the justification is. You do a study and it's it's not a large one, by the way about whether this is safe for children when they don't even need this and two thirds of the people involved get pushed out and don't you don't get to see the results. They take a third of the size of the sample and they show you that and claim that's how, why are we supposed to trust that? The idea that we're just supposed to believe that they didn't do what they've already been caught doing more than once, which is edit and alter the data so it looks the way they want it to. God, it's just criminal what's happening. That is a huge number, two thirds of them. Why was there this drop off? That needs to be answered. And without an answer to that, on that basis alone, this trial should be deemed null and void. Right. So what did the trial show? Well, they defined severe COVID as children who had a slightly raised heart rate or a few more breaths per minute. There were six children. That's severe COVID. Think about that, first of all. Isn't it amazing how they'll lo- they will lean into the opposite side of this and say, well, in this study, severe COVID is an elevated heart rate. But then when they'll talk about it outside of this, well, that's much different, right? Because they don't want it. The severe is extra severe because they want to call what they're dealing with mild because the, the vaccine works, right? So here's the way they, they, this is their finger on the scale. If you're going to call an elevated heart rate severe COVID, well, it makes it look like they're doing great when it comes to severe COVID. When really, it's, I mean, that's, this is meaningless. These are criminals in action. There's no way the people conducting this study don't know what they're doing hiding 3,000 people, two-thirds of the study, arguing. I mean, that's crazy. But this is why the people out there that are screaming this, and rightly so, as I'll play in a minute, people like Dr. Yeadon, are saying that they know this is happening by intentionally, which is a huge thing to say. But I, I agree. There's no way they can't see what's happening at this point. Age two to four, who had severe COVID in the vaccine group, but only one in the placebo group. So on that basis, the likelihood that this vaccine is actually causing severe COVID is higher than the likelihood that it is. There was actually one child who was hospitalized. So it has a higher likelihood of causing COVID than not. The injection they're giving to children to keep them safe from COVID. Makes sense. Hospitalized in this trial. They had a fever and a seizure. They had been vaccinated. Of course. So now let's turn to what they defined as any COVID. And what they did was to utterly twist the data. They vaccinated the children and they waited three weeks after the first dose before the second dose. In that three week period, 34 of the vaccinated children got COVID and only 13 in the placebo group, which worked out as a 30% increased chance of catching COVID in that three week period if you were vaccinated. So they ignored that data. Of course they did. And then there was an eight week gap between the second dose and the third dose, where again, children were getting plenty of COVID in the vaccine arm. So they ignored that data. I mean, how do you even get away with that? Like, that's that's the only thing you're looking for. Like, what's the argument that they got COVID, but that's a different discussion. We're looking for lessening symptoms. Like, they're not even worried about transmission anymore. You are literally watching the vaccinated arm get more COVID than the placebo arm. That right there is the study. You just proved that it's not working. In fact, it's hurting people. And yet they approved this. Or excuse me. There we go. They authorized it for kids anyway. Any, I mean, is anybody confused about the criminality of what's happening? I don't think you guys are. I'm sure you're on the same page. There was then seven weeks after the third dose, which they also ignored, which meant that in the end, they had ignored 97% of the COVID that occurred during the trial. And they just looked at tiny numbers. 
so tiny. In the end, they were comparing three children in the vaccine arm who had COVID with seven in the placebo arm. And they said that this showed the vaccine was effective. So they measured how many of these children actually managed to catch COVID twice in the two month follow up period. And there were 12 children who had COVID twice and all but one of them were vaccinated, mostly with three doses. Exactly like what we see happening today, which is backed up by the data. And they just go, you guys don't understand science. So you have to wonder what on earth they're thinking when the claim of reduction in COVID was only four children. And here we have 12 children who got COVID twice, 11 of them vaccinated. So let's just recap. They recruited 4,500 children, 3,000 of them dropped out. And in the end, they're claiming this vaccine works on the basis of three COVID cases versus seven, a difference of four children only. And all of this on a backdrop of a disease which doesn't affect children. Can you imagine if we talked about a study that included 11 people, or was it 10, seven and three? And basically said, and said, there you go, proof, right? Proof that it works. They would laugh you out of town. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's complete double standards everywhere you look. And it's unbelievably obvious. And with no long-term safety data, we have to ask how an ethics committee could have approved this trial in babies. Babies are not at risk from COVID. And now we have Pfizer who are presenting this as evidence to the FDA in order to apply for an an emergency use authorization. Emergency use authorization is meant for a situation where there's a risk of serious injury or death. Exactly. Now, children under five are not at risk of serious injury or death from COVID. In fact, in their own trial, they had to make up other ways of measuring the problem because there was no serious injury or death. Now, originally, these products were sold as actually also reducing transmission. Now, it would be completely unethical to use young children as a human shield, but we now know that they don't reduce transmission. The WHO have stopped claiming and they reduce transmission. So that argument doesn't apply either. Now, if we just turn to safety, what they did is they followed up the patients for six weeks before unblinding them and vaccinating them. So the children who'd had placebo, the control group, were followed up for an average of six weeks and then given the vaccine. So that's your safety control gone forever. The fact that this trial existed at all is unbelievable. There are other issues in there, which I haven't highlighted, but those are the key ones. Parents should be demanding that the decision makers explain themselves. It's incredible. I mean, this is the kind of stuff you can prove this conversation. <clears throat> I'm, I'm doing this really quickly just to show people what the none, no, no, none. Here we go. There we go. This is the Oxford calculator of risk for COVID-19. Right? So all I did is enter in 19. The lowest to let you go. This is the current COVID-19 risk assessment calculator from Oxford. You know, that anti-science fringe community, right? Well, according to them, as it still stands, well, look, they, 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 oh, it's okay, good. It is. I thought they changed it. Absolute risk, right? This is, this is the simple reality. Catching COVID and dying. One in a million. With 19-year-old. 
right? So go down to five, six month year old. Think about that. It is exponent. It goes, it gets, it gets, it's harder and harder to get sick the lower you go. That's probably why they stop it at 19. The bottom line is if you have a one in a million chance of dying, you're not at risk. As we use the idea of one in a million as a joke, right? Well, that's one in a million. It's never going to happen. And yet we're currently forcing these injections that, as she just made clear, are hurting people. In fact, they're lying about the data so they don't see that it's getting people sick and increasing the problem, which maybe is the whole point. Bottom line, again, here's what she pointed at, the long-term safety. Ask yourself how, whatever they seem to find in their studies, if we don't know it's safe long-term, how in the world you can push this on anybody? Their current data, as she acknowledges, and I've shown you many times, the long-term safety data of the vaccine is unknown. Um, I mean, just think of that alone should be enough to stop this conversation. This is the community Pfizer biotech documentation as of the 2022. It's the most recent update. Unbelievable. Then Twitter happily censors people and have gotten forced to put it back because they got caught looking like they're what they are censoring people for acknowledging what actually just happened. Think about how ridiculous that is. Oh, this is actually out of order here. There's the first one. Twitter permanently censors, oops, permanently censors, or suspends, excuse me, for, which is, by the way, it's funny how they permanently suspend and then take it back. <laughs> so even their permanent suspension is still ridiculous and contradictory because permanent suspension is stupid in and of itself. But if you're permanently suspended and they can take it back, well, then it wasn't even a permanent contradictory suspension, is it? It's just these people are ridiculous, but they, they, they censor this person first for quoting. And I mean, literally quoting exactly what the statement from Pfizer and the FDA said, which was today, the FDA advisors voted unanimously to approve Pfizer's three dose vaccine for children six months to five years old. Parents need to know that the Pfizer's claim of 80% efficacy is based on just 10 COVID cases after the third dose in the trial, 10 cases. That's it. How is that not a scandal? Actually, well, this is the different one. I was going to point the other one is what I was thinking. In any case, how is that against, how was that a fake news misleading statement? That's literally what happened. And by the way, spoiler alert, they were forced to give her account back because that is what happened. Now, is this because Twitter doesn't know that, doesn't care because they're operating on fake news they think is the reality because they listen to CNN and Fox News? Certainly possible. Or is it because they just have talking points they know they're not supposed to allow? Well, that indicates danger. So we're not allowed to let that happen, even if it's true. Right. I mean, this is how crazy this has gotten. It's utterly ridiculous. Oh, well, I mean, just, this is the one, and then this is the next one right here, where they reinstate it. <clears throat> and here was the one they were pointing at. FDA advisors vote the same thing. Germany, France, Denmark, Norway, Sweden, and Finland all suspend Moderna for people under 30 due to safety concerns. But in the U.S., we'll now be giving it to products to infants. That's a true statement. 100%. They did suspend it, and we are giving it to infants. Just because it very clearly outlines a disgusting, contradictory, and dangerous action is why they censored it. That's it, even though it's true. And again, the point was they were forced to reinstate it because she is correct. But just recognize that, that issue right there. That's been happening the whole time, as you well know. They are censoring the truth because that's what they're supposed to be doing. This just got caught. It's embarrassing for them. Now, here's how they hide this stuff and why they're la labeling it all as fake news, because they just pretend it's not there. Here's uh, uh, today.com. More cases of the mystery hepatitis in kids, right? It's like the mysterious brain issue that nobody can relate to anything anywhere except the thing causing brain issues that we don't want to point at, right? Possible cases, symptoms, like this whole waxing intellectual thing about the mysterious, mysterious problem that we can't figure out. Well, as I said, study finds possible link between long COVID and mysterious hepatitis in kids. What a shock. 
So they ignore the many, many peer-reviewed studies finding vaccine-induced hepatitis in lieu of a small study, which it was very small, with a possible link to a to an defined, undefined, damn it, an undefined, unproven long COVID. Hashtag science. There's nothing, in, there's nothing f- uh, untrue about that. It's a small study with a possible link to an undefined, unproven long COVID, which they'll admit themselves when pushed to it. So we have all this peer-reviewed science, and yet all they can point at is something we can't prove. That needs to be very clear to everybody. Let me make let me make it even more clear. This is everywhere, right? We already made we already did a segment on this. North Carolina becomes the second USA to report an unusual case of hepatitis in kids. It's happening all over the world. Well, guess what? It, we should already know why. This is from December 2021. Autoimmune hepatitis after SARS-CoV-2 vaccine. Right, you read through these for yourself. There's plenty of case studies and information pointing at the exact. This is September 2021. These are all different. Autoimmune hepatitis following COVID vaccination. Here's the, here's one of the most important ones. This is this was from 2022 in April. This is from the Journal of Hepatology for crying out loud. SARS-CoV-2 vaccination can not maybe not hypothetical can elicit a CD8 T cell dominant hepatitis. That's this is what it looks like to look at peer reviewed science from a highly regarded outlet that's finding definitively that this injection can cause hepatitis. And this is what it looks like for the corporate media to go. I don't see that. La la la. That's not what I'm supposed to talk about. So instead, they dig into a very small study that has nothing definitive and go. That's the science. Anybody, any questions? Anybody confused? Let's keep going. Same point. Can and is doing this, eliciting a a COVID-19 vaccine-induced hepatitis. Here's some new stuff you haven't seen. This one is from April 2022. Severe heptocellular liver injury after COVID-19 vaccination without autoimmune hepatitis features. It says, and this is from the Department of Hepatology, Department of Pathology. The liver part of this is obviously a huge factor. And oh, I think I don't think I had no. This was just the just more finding the same connection. The last two are I find the most important. This is the one we already showed you, twenty twenty one autoimmune hepatitis after COVID nineteen vaccination. More than a coincidence. Well, guess what? They doubled down. March 2022, or I guess different study, but they're they're doubling down on the concept of whether it's possible. Immune-mediated hepatitis with Moderna vaccine specifically, no longer a coincidence, but confirmed. Oh, it's on the National Library of Medicine, NIH. Are we pretending that Fauci doesn't know it's there? Not that he's, you know, notified of literally everything posted on the National Library of Medicine, but are we going to pretend like we're that they don't know at some everybody the corporate media the government the FDA the CDC that this is being reported and peer reviewed? Obviously, they do and they don't care. Confirmed, no longer a coincidence. Confirmed, our case demonstrates conclusive evidence of vaccine induced immune mediated hepatitis. Let me repeat that: our case demonstrates conclusive evidence of vaccine induced immune mediated hepatitis with a rapid onset of liver injury after the first. Moderna dose, let alone four or five, right? Which on re-exposure led to acute, severe autoimmune hepatitis, period. That's peer-reviewed science, guys, but let's call it fake news because that small thing said possible stuff and long COVID. Whew, crazy, right? Well, we're also seeing an obvious and horrific onslaught of young people dying after receiving injections. Now, do we know for sure every one of them are caused by it? Well, no. Anybody honest would should admit we can't know for sure. But the bottom line is that the, uh, the prevalence of how many people 
And I'll make I'll show you the studies yet again from FIFA and from the NIH showing you that what's currently happening, not just the fact just general athletes having these issues, whether on the field or not. I mean, we are we are so far past, excuse me, hiccups, so far past what we've ever seen, so far past what they said is the normal. It's it it's it's insane. And yet they pretend like we're, I mean, the th- here's the thing. They don't even talk about this conversation anymore because they know that anybody that even briefly looks into it is going to be overwhelmed with how obvious this is. And I'm not saying prove, like saying we provable that every single one was because of this. This is my point though. As we get into the actual studies, as I've shown many times, they discuss not just pe- just general athletes and this problem, having a heart attack or having an issue on the field, not necessarily dying. Same thing with this one. 10-year ten, ten review, oh, well, this, this case was sudden death, but that's the point, again, to the, the larger article we've discussed, of 1,111 1, cardiac arrests, 732 dead. And this is over the process of less than two years. And every one of these studies are over a 10-year period or over a long, this one's a four-year period. And we are so far above those numbers. I don't know how you can't see what that shows you. Now, I'll go, over, I'll go through it. But here's what we're seeing, more examples of this. Shock as young female footballer, Marvel Simiu, dies suddenly. That's what you're going to keep seeing. This weird, as if that ends this, oh, died suddenly. That's very sad. Don't say any word about it because the family, what do you mean died suddenly? Don't we care about what happened? Why? Is there an investigation going on? Never before COVID-19 has it ever been left as we don't know what happened. The death is being investigated. We'll follow up. No, not today. Suddenly died, and it's sad, and we're moving on. And 30 paragraphs about memorials and discussions and everything else. You know what everybody's interested in finding out. What happened? Why? This is the only thing it says. Everything else before it is everyone just talking, oh, I'm so sad, which is horrifically sad. It is sad, especially because it was most likely, in my opinion, caused by something that they were pressured into getting. The news of young footballer's death comes a few months after another 21-year-old female footballer just randomly passed away in the UK on April 13th. Dominica uh, Podzuit, a former Newcastle Union's woman goalkeeper, died suddenly at age 21. All these weirdly died suddenlies, right? Here's another one. The news on Thursday, June 16th, comes hours after news broke that another person, Fabrico Navarro, a young footballer from Argent- uh, Argentinian Football Club, died of a heart attack on Wednesday. It's so totally normal, isn't it? For these 21-year-olds just randomly die with no explanation or wildly fit and healthy footballers dying from heart attacks. Yeah, it's totally become normal which is exactly the next point of this next post. Here is a person who simply posted this. Another normal young person with sudden adult death syndrome, even using the term that they call it. Just so normal in 2022. That's it. There's no indi- there's, there's not even an insinuation that it was COVID-19 related or vaccine related. Simply going, look, that's this is what they're saying. These lot of people dying from SADS. SIDS, SADS, all the sudden adult death, death syndrome. They're even the ones arguing it's becoming more common. And yet this person, because they know, wink, wink, what they mean, which is this is not normal and there's a problem here, they read into that and they make them delete it. I mean, this, what's dis, what's wrong about that statement? That's what they're saying is happening. They are seeing a lot of it. It's because they don't want this to get attention. They made this person delete their own tweet. That's crazy. Here's another discussion. 911 Lone Star actor Taylor Sanders dies at 18. Now, I don't know what's going on here. Could be something else. But what I find very suspicious is that you find that the only thing they discuss is cause of death's unknown, being investigated. Now, it could be something else. I'm always open to that. I'm not implying I know for sure. 
but it's alarming how many young people, young athletes are just suddenly dying with no discernible reason. It's amazing. We care so much. What about the children? Except when we have this unbelievably gigantic red flag (laughs) waiting right in front of you. We dismiss it. But we care about the children, right? Here's another one. Young 26-year-old American football player dies after sudden heart attack. That was actually in April. Here's some more current stuff. Well, this this is the, I bet you there's been one probably since we started. Let's look. Guess not. 1,111 athlete cardiac arrests. As I pointed out many times, this article is outstanding. It does not make any assumptions. It simply says this is how many athletes in this time frame. Now it's overlapping into uh, a little bit at the tail end of 2020 and into 2022. And it's simply saying, so this, thus far, there's been 1,111 cardiac arrests in athletes. That's, that's a statement. Oh, or serious issues. Then on top of that, 732 of them have died after injections. That's what they're saying, which is 100% provable. They're not implying we know for sure that they died from the injection. Nowhere in this article does it even point. It, it obviously makes an argument that it could be. Of course it could be. They've admitted that it can cause. But the problem is that they point at this and say they're accusing everybody. No, they're not. That's their fact check garbage. 732 people, athletes, have died after getting an injection of cardiac arrest. Many of them have been shown to be caused by the injection, like plenty of people we've discussed, but most of them haven't. But the point is not whether we can prove that at the moment. The point is to see this many people dying of cardiac arrests, 732, is unprecedented. Here is the FIFA study, four-year study, which simply found that there were, I should have highlighted it right here, there, uh, there were 617 players that they looked at There were 617 players in a four-year period with sudden death reported from 67 different countries. 67 countries over four years, and they have 617. And this is what we're seeing now. There's no question. These people died, and they had an injection before that happened. Now, you could even remove the injection conversation. Let's just get that off the table. You shouldn't, but let's do it for this conversation. 732 athletes have died of cardiac arrest in less than two years, and we're not alarmed by that? Is it only climate change? I'm sure they'd love to say that. The point is there's nothing with peer-reviewed science that points out that we should have been screaming about this like we were long time ago. Here's the NIH study from 2018. Ten years. Just the United... Or I forget, was it just the United States? Well, let's see. Yeah, I believe this was just the United States. The point, nonetheless, is, is 19,740 autopsies were completed in the period, 12,395 in the subjects 18 to 65, and uh, where was it? There were 201, 201 sports-related adult deaths at the incidence rate of basically 0. 0.76 to 149 per 100,000 participant years. I did this, the math list before, guys. This is, I mean, it's shockingly above that. COVID injection or not unrealistically. This is so far above and beyond what they're pointing at here, and yet they dismiss this out of hand. There's so many points like this that are just undeniable. Somebody clip that out. Take a two-minute thing, put it on Twitter. People need to see that. It's undeniable. That's why we've, and we've already shown you this, plenty more science, peer-reviewed and otherwise, supports this idea. The incidence of myocarditis and pericarditis post-COVID-19 unvaccinated patients, right? Because they want to yell, it's all long COVID. But here's a peer-reviewed study, accepted on April 12th, published on April 15th, that very clearly finds that post-COVID-19 infection was not associated with either myocarditis or pericarditis. We did not observe an increased incidence of pericarditis or myocarditis in adult patients recovering from COVID-19 infection. 
Well, there you go. I guess they just choose to ignore that. And they do. And they keep yelling their same narrative despite the peer-reviewed science. It's not redacted. It's not debunked. So what do you got to say, guys? Silence is what they say. That is obvious. So the point is that you're seeing these rise up specifically in vaccinated populations. And here's Biden just weirdly commenting on something and just saying the same thing. Oh, my sympathies to the CFO who dropped dead very unexpectedly. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be happening a lot today. It's so sad. I mean, it's horrific. But the fact that it's just such a commonplace reality right now should make you uncomfortable. Now, here's Kit Knightley writing a rash of blood clots caused by the heat. That's what they're arguing. I'm not even making that up. Perhaps you've heard about the rash of blood clots in young, healthy people recently, right? They're not going, oh, you know, all the blood clots that have been happening since the administration of the ejections began. No, they're just going, this new recent rash of blood clots, and we think it's because of the heat. Yeah, didn't you hear all those cows died simultaneously because of the heat? <laughs> no, they didn't. That's ridiculous. They've been, there have been hotter years that it's, the heat is a common reality in these hot places where they exist. Nope, is something much more nefarious going on. But it says, well, don't you worry your silly little head about it. They were caused by dehydration due to hot weather. End of the story. That's their narrative anyway. It says, naturally, we reported spikes in blood clots before the summer was nothing to do with the hot weather, right? It was the cold weather. That's why I'm giving them a shout out. It says, oh, maybe it was a clot. It wasn't a clot, but maybe it was sudden adult death syndrome. And you know what? We just covered that. Thank you, Kent, for doing a great job. But here's, the, here's his point. Before we got to the summer, guess what it was? The cold weather. The way the cold weather can cause blood clots. Yeah, weird. Well, guess what? Now, now it's the hot weather causing blood clots. Gee, that's pretty easy, right? So any time of the year, it's, that's what's happening. Not the injections we're giving that perfectly correlate with the dramatic and unprecedented spike in blood clots in young people and everybody, but no big deal. Here is a fact check. SADS, sudden adult death syndrome, is caused by genetic mutations. Okay, well, what's, what's happening today that's involving genetic mutation? Oh, that's right. A genetic therapy we're giving broadly, experimentally, to lots of people without any due diligence or consent. Informed consent. So it's funny that they would say it's caused by genetic mutations affecting the electrical system. Not. No evidence, they say. No evidence is caused by COVID injections. Well, the very fact that you point genetic mutations is obviously a connection to a genetic therapy that's being given. But let's just ignore that obvious contradiction for a minute. It says there's no scientific evidence supporting the claim that COVID vaccinations can cause sudden death in, in adults, in young adults. Well, what are you talking about? What do you mean no scientific evidence? Are you? Are, how about the fact that we're literally outlining an entire, I mean, the peer-reviewed science has found in some small cases, according to them, I'm arguing, that these things can cause death, that they've documented death that's been caused by the injections. Are they pretending that's just not there? Or are they pretending that it's a, only a few cases, therefore we're going to pretend that it's not valid? You can't, you just can't say no scientific evidence supporting the claim that an adult can take this injection and suddenly die. There's a thousand things that would point to that. Myocarditis, heart attacks, blood clots, strokes. But yeah, but, but no scientific evidence. This is called medical misinformation. Or rather specifically medical disinformation. Or mal, to use their term. But here is Dr. Yeadon, who is going to tell you what we need to hear right now. Okay? This is the point that we're talking about. These are illegal because the law is being broken. Not, oh, that's dangerous, fake news, and you're putting people's lives at risk. No, it's just simply the facts, guys. The truth needs to be discussed, whether or not, how, regardless of how unpopular it may be in their circles. He is going to tell you what you need to understand, that it seems, not, look, 
The evidence is undeniably clear, in my opinion. There's no way that some people involved in these choices are unaware of what they're doing. Simple as that. And an expert like this, who you literally used to work in the in the pharma companies, is telling you, in his opinion, he knows that they're doing this on purpose. That has to hold some weight for people. Let's play the first one. I've got two of these I want to play. What you should do is pick the bit of the virus that's genetically most stable. Now, I don't know that we knew it at the beginning, but it's certainly true now that the thing that that undergoes variation most quickly is the spike protein. Um, you know, that's a shame. So now, now you've picked something that's going to rapidly go out of focus. It will rapidly uh, evolve to a different variant and your vaccine won't work anymore. Just in case the, it starts in a mid-conversation, he's discussing the reality of wh you know, why they chose the spike protein. And his point is simply that they already knew this stuff. So at this point, he's arguing that they, some, but some level, would have known that the spike protein will ultimately do exactly what we saw and exacerbated by the introduction of the injections, which makes it, which makes it, which we saw the perfect correlation of explosion of variants after the introduction, introduction of the injections. But his point is that this was a guarantee. They knew this. He knew this. They talked about it. So you're telling me they didn't plan for this? Like this is about stepping you into the universal vaccine problem, reaction, solution, just like the idea of creating justifications for why we need to rebuild everything. Like the idea of creating a leaky vaccine. So to create the variants to justify why we need a better one seems to be a logical conclusion to come to possibly anyway. But, and then but here's something else. It definitely did know you would pick a part of the virus that is, this is important, most different from humans. Uh, so viruses and humans and fungi and bacteria are all living organisms. They have some relationships because we all probably originated from the same, you know, instantiation of life, you know, however that happens. And then there's been evolution ever since. And so the similarities and differences, what you do is you, you can run searches and you can find a bit of the virus that's most virusy and most dissimilar from anything else that's in your body. And if you do that, you don't pick spike protein. Spike protein is slightly similar to lots of bits of human. Not very, slightly similar to lots of bits of human. Guess what happens if you do that? You make an immune response to bits of protein that look a bit like you. And sometimes you end up with a spillover. That's called an autoimmune response. So just to yeah. say again, you deselect things that are toxic in their own right. You pick things that are genetically stable and you pick things that are most different from humans. All three of those, in the words of patents, they teach away. They would teach you away from picking spike protein. But guess what? Moderna picks spike protein. Oh, and so does Pfizer and AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson. Yeah. So I put it to you, colleagues, any scientists out there or just logical people, how the hell would they pick? No team I was ever part of would ever have picked bloody spike protein for this virus, this vaccine. And you know what? If we, if we did... And we had competing groups. We would not all four of us make mistake. The same mistake exactly. is not possible. Good drug discoverers. So it's not a mistake. Why? Can you not argue a that's not a mistake then? So I believe it's collusion yeah. and malfeasance. They did it on purpose, knowing it would hurt you. That is a huge statement to make. I mean, it's, it's exactly, you cannot deny what he's talking about. I mean, these are things that other experts and other doctors would say the same. Other scientists would say, yes, I agree with that. And we would have caught it too. And the idea is, guys, don't forget, there were people saying this before we got here about spike protein or other aspects of the injection, which have proved to be correct, like James Lyons-Weiler 
saying that the polyethylene glycol is going to be a problem. And what do you know? It's obviously a problem that's hurting people. And this is the discussion that they just sidestep. It's obvious. So how do you not see this as something that's being done intentional? I just don't understand at some level. Here's one that was sent to me by Soundwave. Uh, this is, uh, you'll see his attack, little uh, image on the bottom right there. They actually pour his channel. So just to say again, a 20% difference was not enough to kid these people's immune system that it was a new virus. They easily recognized it as a sibling, a brother, a cousin, of something they'd conquered already. So when your government... And I was going to add a point to the first part of it, though, is the idea that the autoimmune issue he's talking about. Remember, that means that your body's, it's, uh, you're, it's overactive, right? Immune deficiency is not working enough. Autoimmunity, it's working too hard and it's hurting your body. So just like we keep telling you, whether antibody-dependent enhancement, molecular mimicry, pathogenic priming, we're talking about situations where your body is being trained to hurt itself. And, and all the evidence is on the table. We can see what's happening to these people that they're just shoving away in other things, long COVID and SADS and SIDS and everything else we're seeing, hepatitis is something else, or meningitis, or all these different things we're hearing are being reported and can be caused by the injection, according to peer-reviewed science. Just don't want to point at it. So they use something they knew, in my opinion, as he's pointing out, was similar enough to create an issue. Now, whether or not they thought that would end up the way it did, right? Remember, they thought this would only effectively hurt more so people that didn't get it than people that did. I don't know. But at this point, the cover-up of what happened, whatever their intention, just can't be missed. As a sibling, a brother, a cousin, of something they'd conquered already. So when your government scientists tell you that a variant that's 0.3% different from SARS could masquerade as a new virus and be a threat to your health, you should know, and I'm telling you, they are lying. That's why he calls them samians, remember? And by the way, uh, Taylor is going to be reaching out to try to get him back on for another interview. If they're lying, and they are, why is the pharmaceutical industry making top-up vaccines? They are making them. I mean, this is the just for those that don't get the slang. We're talking about, you know, the ones we keep pointing at. They're working on new ones right now. And that's the point I keep making, too. He's an expert. They're making new things because the current thing's not working. That you can't just argue that it's currently working, but we're making a new one anyway. Like, it's just ridiculous. The idea is they know that this is dealt with dealing with something that's currently no longer there, as he said himself. So that is why they're, in one argument, making antibodies that aren't necessary, therefore creating a situation that hurts their body, as Fauci and others have admitted to. But on top of that, the spike protein itself is straining your body to attack things that are that your body starts to produce because of the injection. I mean, this is a perfect storm of your body of creating a problem for your body. Now, whether that was intentional from the get go is sort of irrelevant. I mean, it's unrelevant. But in the conversation we're having right now, it's about what we see happening and how they're trying to cover it up. But I agree with it. This was a choice at some level. I just don't know how you can miss that. You should be terrified at this point as vaccines. They are making them. You should be terrified at this point, as I am, because there's absolutely no possible justification for their manufacture. But they're being made, and the world's medicines regulators have said, because they're quite similar to the original vaccines, the ones that are being given now, uh, we won't be asking them to do any clinical safety studies. Make sure you hear that. People keep acting like that's sort of a not real state. That's exactly what's happening. It's what they said. I'll even play you a clip of one of their internal people saying the same thing. They're slowly and quietly, right now they're making things as fast as they can 
And they're they're going to argue they do not need to safety test them because of the way this went down. They called that fake news when we said it in the beginning, citing their documentation, showing you what they said on their own platform, saying that this is a plug and play discussion and the next ones won't need to be. That's what's happening, guys. So just we need to acknowledge that. So how are we going to be okay? Even those that trust what they're doing. If you're if you're literally making something that's based on a different concept. All right. That's not the right way to say that. If you're making something based on a different strain. Then you need to safety. It's like, it's like arguing that just, there's a okay. Look, look at it this way. They argue themselves that they need to make a new flu vaccine every year because the strain changes, right? Why wouldn't that logic apply here? Strain's different. They're telling you that. Well, every year they claim they safety test these things. I doubt that they really do, but that's why they've been driving towards the universal flu vaccine as well, so they could circumvent that. As Fa- I played Fauci saying that in the past. So, so the companies can bank on their sales. Yeah, that's what they care about, it seems. Uh, we won't be asking them to do any clinical safety studies. So let me just say again, the variants are not different enough to represent a threat to you. So you do not need to top up vaccines, yet they are being made and the regulators have more or less waved them through. I'm very frightened of that. There's no possible benign interpretation of this. Um, I believe that they're going to be used to damage your health and possibly kill you. Seriously. I I can see no sensible interpretation other than a serious attempt at mass depopulation. This will provide the tools to do it and plausible deniability because they'll create another story about some sort of biological threat and you'll line up and get your top-up vaccines in a few months or a year or so later. You'll die of some peculiar explicable syndrome and they won't be able to associate it with the top-up vaccines but that's my belief that they're lying to you about variants so they can make uh, damaging uh, top-up vaccines that, that you don't need at all and I think they'll be used for malign purposes and if you don't wake up that's what's going to happen I think during next year. Now, I don't know if I necessarily am all the way on the on board with the idea that this was a, a like depopulation agenda from the beginning. Certainly a possibility. I mean, it certainly seems to be going in that direction. But it's it's also a possible concept that this was, you know, that they lost control because they're incompetent and because they're maniacs and sociopaths and so and psychopaths. But regardless, think about the courage it takes for someone like him to say that, right? As somebody points in the chat, he, he worked for Pfizer for 30 years. Right, and he has been railing against this from the beginning. As always, question everything. Right, who knows where this will end up? But nonetheless, the point is what he's saying is based on the reality. And think about the the he, he for someone like him to stand up and talk about depopulation. They, he knows they're going to frame him as a ridiculous conspiracy theorist. But clearly, he believes what he's saying, as, as it appears. So that takes a lot of courage to do at a time like this, especially. It's just pretty alarming to have somebody like him outright call this like it seems it's as it seems to be now they're continuing to hide this information here's an here's an incredible example of this msn a a, you know msn.com a huge mainstream corporate outlet quietly deleted a story revealing that severe COVID 19 is rarely found in the unvaccinated now this is this is posted by the national pulse you can read the story for yourself but just to quickly show you this it's actually incredible this is a story that was posted that did come out severe covid-19 rare in unvaccinated people and it's it, here's the point though it's a survey right so you can argue that it, it's observational and it's not like but but it's a survey so how in the world first of all censoring the article is one thing 
it doesn't surprise me at all that they'll try to patch up and cover up anything that argues things they don't want you to see. The fact that it got published in the first place surprises me. It's, but the argument in this article is, oh, it's a survey, so you shouldn't drink it. But it's there, right? But guess what else happened? As, as World Council for Health points out, the research gate, where this is, what, this is where they're pointing, pulls the control group survey. Now, we already talked about this. I believe it's right here. No, I don't think I had it up. Where was it? It was the one we were, oh, I think it was, uh, let's see, right here. I thought I had it open already. We talked about this already. It's an important one, but it's, it, here's, here's why. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, taken with a grain of salt. Self-reported outcomes, choices and discrimination among the unvaccinated cohort. Now, what he finds in this, what they find, is pretty damning to the narrative. But people that mo- in their, most of them are not dealing with problems. They're extra safe. They're the one they're doing far more to keep safe on and on and on. The bottom line is it's like diametric opposite of what we're hearing from the corporate media. Now, could they be lying? Of course, it's self-reported. That's there's always a factor of that. But how in the world are you going to argue that you can censor a survey as fake news? It's a survey. It's it is what it is. You know, you take it with a grain of salt because any number of things could happen. But the fact that they're censoring a public survey, it shows you everything. They just don't, if it found the opposite, of course that would have been okay. So it's not really the fact that it's survey, it's the fact that they found the thing they don't want you to say. And if you find that thing, you'll be censored as fake news. So it's not about the reality, it's about the narrative. I mean, it couldn't be more clear. Are we going to pretend that a survey being conducted that found it was safe, they would censor as well? So that means it's not about the conduct, the conduct of it, it's the simple end result. Unbelievable. I mean, it just blows me away. Oops. That's weird. (laughs) That's funny. No more productions comes in, says Ryan's a shill, and then deletes his own message. All right. Well, you don't stand by that, you coward. The point here is, guys, that this gets censored because it's a survey that finds something they don't want. And then, and then MSN, or I think actually first, sent deletes the article that covers the survey. Good God. Think about how crazy that is. And thank you, World Council for Health, for pointing this out that they were forced to remove it. Doing a great job, this platform, by the way. You should be following them. Here's what Wit, Jen Stein points out, or somebody that posted this. I'm so tired of COVID-19. This is the third time I've tested positive. The third time I felt like I'm dying. I'm vaccinated. I'm boosted. I'm wearing masks. I sanitize continuously. I'm so tired. Right. Okay. So the people that are supposed to be the faring the best, the boosted, multi-boosted, and so on, are the people that are or at least in his, his, this person's case, feeling like he's dying every time. I guess he just would have actually died had he not had the injection, right? Thank God I have all these injection boosters killing my immune system because then it would have been worse, right? That's what we keep hearing. Well, clearly the data does not back that up as we continue to see. My God. But here is an example of the pandemic of the injected, as always. This is the last report we went over. It's not the new one. I'm going to follow up when the new one comes out, which will be probably in a couple of days. But just as we can see, the no-dose category is the smallest one on the entire discussion. One, two, one dose, two dose, three dose, four dose, or more. And it's a lot. People that all live in three doses, there's 180 of them just this week. They're in the hospital. 42 of them died. Now, yes, as always, the argument is valid to say there's more people in this category that are vaccinated. Therefore, it would show a higher number. 
Not the majority, though, which is the obvious point they just don't want to talk about. The majority every week being in this category shows you the opposite of what they want you to see. Let, let alone the fact that we, in, in the UK and Scotland and everywhere else before they censored it, the data was showing you that they were the percentage uh, per 100 risk or per, was it the per, per 1,000 or per 10,000, whatever the number was. The percentage was higher. People that were injected were spreading this four times more than anybody. And then the majority was also in their size. It's just obvious. Now, here's another interesting one that I caught as I was going to show you the pandemic of the injected. I was going to jump on and show you this one. We've showed many times, right? Mo many of you probably just saw this. I had to use the Wayback Machine. You know why? And you, by the way, you guys, you take this link and just hit the back button. Go back as far as you want. And it will show you varying between 70 to 70, 80% of the people in the ICU are injected. In fact, fully injected, whatever that means today. And the unvaccinated number includes people that have some doses. So that's not even accurate. Not fully, you sneaky people. The point is that if 75% of people, not just in the hospital, but in the ICU, the emergency room, because they have COVID, it doesn't add up. And even just, even just in hospital is over 75%. My point in showing you this today is that they've now changed this. This is now what it shows you. When you go to the same link, and I'll just show you real quick so you guys can see it for yourself. Opens up, then it changes, redirects you right here. Why does that keep happening, guys? Why do they censor the Scotland data? Why do they hide the UK data? Why does the CDC make sure that the data you see is all scattered out between things that make it impossible to find? Why do these people keep hiding the data? Because, oh, because we're conspiracy theorists and we don't understand and we keep misrepresenting. Is that why? Well, it seems pretty obvious to me what that shows you. It's pretty clear. I'm not, I'm not misrepresenting what it shows you. And I'm actively including the reality that it would show a higher percentage because of the more people being vaccinated. I keep saying it, but they don't want you seeing this because it shows you the pandemic of the injected. Now, you trust me, you can go through each one of these links and I'll show you that it doesn't, you never find that position. Oh, that's one I just opened. So you click some of these, you click one of the links and it takes you to pages like this. And oh, I'm like, okay, maybe I found it, right? Oh, here's what it says. Case rates by vaccination status, right? Well, you click on every one of them and guess the kind of the data you see is just like the CDC is now doing, just like the UK is now doing. You get this weird and broken up out of sync breakdown where it would take you a week and a half to add each thing, incorporate them together. This is a joke, guys. Like they don't even have the numbers organized. Like it goes from like, what is this exactly? So it's by date and then by age. And it goes by age again, and then by age again, broken down by date. Like, this is intentionally meant to be confusing. Ask any statistician out there. They're gonna, this is ridiculous. It's so you can't add it up and find out the reality. But it pretends you've got case rates, hospitalization rates by death. I mean, it's, I'm, I, this is what I'm, in everyone you're looking at, it shows you these weird breakdowns like this. And then, of course, you can click on the links, and it gives you things like this. Same idea. And then, of course, when you show this, people go, that's from your computer. That's not the official data. Well, yeah, that's what they give you now. This is meant to be confusing, meant to be obfuscated. But look what it says still right on this page. This is the important thing that I was saying before, guys. This is the, as of today, from Ontario. It says, unvaccinated is defined as not having any dose or between 0 and 13 days after administration of the first dose. Okay, so you're literally calling people who may die within 12 days unvaccinated. Like, they, they will, in many places, not even say that out loud. It's right there. It's still happening. And hear that again, guys. If you die before 14 days in Ontario after an injection, you get called unvaccinated. 
And don't forget, even though they don't say it, they still do that in every other category as well. Post two dose, post three dose. If it go, if it's before fourteen days after the second dose, they kick it back into the first dose, and so on and so on. It's an easy way to manipulate the data. But they say here, partially vaccinated is defined as fourteen days or more after the first dose and two dose series of the COVID vaccine, or between thirteen days after the second dose. Fully vaccinated is defined as fourteen days or more after the receipt of a second dose of the two dose. It's manipulated. The first, the first one is the main point. Unvaccinated means nothing in your body. They know that. We know that. They're lying to you. And that's why I included this. Because, if, and again, up here, as you can see from Alberta, they use, where was it? Two weeks, 14 days, but it was Scotland. That was the one that listed 21 days. And there's a reason for that. But here's the Alberta breakdown, also Canada. What they say is these people were unvaccinated or diagnosed within two weeks of the first dose. So they're not unvaccinated then. Same thing here hospitalizations, unvaccinated or diagnosed within two weeks. Okay. So you can pretend like that's a, there's a reason and it's because the, the, the vaccine has to take effect. It takes 14 days to do so and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, explain for me why Alberta and the same report accidentally revealed that everything that happens, and this is the entire breakdown guys, this is number of days between first immunization and COVID-19 diagnosis. Look at the breakdown. When you get to 21 days, which is right about there. That is the vast majority of cases. Vast, vast majority. That means that the vast majority of cases that happen after injection, which is being caused by the injection, as you can see in the spike, gets kicked down to unvaccinated. Let's look at hospitalizations. Even worse, even more centralized. I would say that's about what? Like 75% of the hospitalizations happen within the first 21 days. Oh, but excuse me, we're talking about 14 days in the context of Ontario and Alberta. So just same point though. It just, it's still the vast majority is concentrated within the first 14 days. That all gets dumped into unvaccinated. So we're not talking about, like, it matters as the second shot and third shot forward, but recognize the main point here. If if 80% of all the hospitalizations that happen in general happen within the first 14 days of an injection, that means you're hiding 80% of all the vaccine-induced problems in a category of unvaccinated. That's what that means. Death is even worse. If most of the deaths are happening within 14 days, you're hiding vaccine-induced death. And they know that, which is why Alberta hid this data when you don't look at the Wayback Machine. They censored it moments after posting it. I forget who called this out first. I, I, I would give them credit if I remembered who it was, but I, they somebody shouted this out on a Medium post, and that's where we saw it. And that's why they now hide this stuff. You won't find these kind of things anymore. They're systematically censoring these things so you can't piece together how obvious this criminality is. And again, remember, as she's discussing Dr. Claire Craig exposing why they twisted the data to argue it was safe because they're hiding the reality. Here is what one of these people said. As this is from Rich People Weekly, it gets worse. They never were going to back off. They've been setting the precedent to skip safety since the beginning, as Dr. Yeen just pointed out. And here you'll hear it from the horse's mouth. Skipping safety only benefits pharma and the people they control. That's what the post says. Here's what this little clip says. The most important thing as we move forward. As you can see right there, the, the conference, these are the officials speaking at the conference. That as we move into the younger age ranges with boosters, we won't have to do That's Dr. Peter Marks. the same kind of forward to know is that as we move into the younger age ranges with boosters, 
we won't have to do the same kind of waiting uh, because uh, we now have the immunobridging we need. We understand that what the doses are correct for these, uh, these populations. And so much as the same way as we may change the strains in older uh, individuals, we'll be able to change strains in younger individuals. And we won't have, uh, I, I, do, I do not anticipate any substantial delays here if we decide that younger children need an updated strain. And that's, I, I say if, because we will have to see uh, where the data take us here. Right. So basically meaning, you know, they get, they're going to skip right past any extra, the, the safety testing and everything. This is all, their own documentation makes this clear. And what he's talking about is immuno, uh, what's the term used again? Immuno, uh, hold on. No, is that we won't have to do the same kind of waiting uh, because uh, we now have the immunobridging we need. Immunobridging. And, you know, so basically this is the argument they're making that they can just, you know, bridge essentially from, from the current, whatever they dealt with first to the new thing. But no matter how you explain this, you know, as we've known from the past, and we've seen even their approved safe and effective injections will end up causing problems. The point is that these things need safety testing. If you're changing things, I mean, for crying out loud, they should have safety tested these when they altered all sorts of things. The condon, condon optimization or the additional ingredients. That We know that. Historically, that's a fact that they just simply change now. How alarming, guys. For your children that don't need it in the first place? It should make you sick. Now, the final point, this is how ridiculous all this is getting. This is this is ABC saying a vaccine that many already have, and I hope you don't, by the way, have could reduce, already have, excuse me, could reduce severity and mortality of COVID-19, a new paper suggests. Literally, while we're watching all of this stuff happen, while they're telling you this is safe and effective, they're going, but here's another thing that's actually shown to be quite dangerous. You could, if you are, you, you could take again, you could already have, and it's supposed to help you. The point is the MR, MMR, the measles, mumps, and rubella injection. And they're saying it may help people protect against COVID symptoms. Now, may is different than can, but the bottom line is why in the world you would jump into this injection? Now, remember, guys, this is, let me just go back to this document before we finish here. Interactions with other vaccines, which by the way, they never do. Right in the, the MMR vaccine, they have never tested whether or not the mumps, measles, or rubella individually conflict with each other, yet they've put them together and give them to you simultaneously. Anyone explain that to me? That's a fact. Here is the documentation for COVID specifically, COVID injections. It says that the vaccines will be issued to individuals who may receive other vaccines. So first of all, they state that as a fact. <laughs> this is going to be injected. With okay. Even though we said that, studies to determine if that co-administration with other vaccines may affect the efficacy or safety, so whether or not it's safe to do so, have not been performed. So that means when you give them the flu injection alongside this dangerous COVID injection that you don't know if that's safe and you're doing it anyway. This also means that while you're telling them, go get the MMR vaccine because that's going to help you out, they don't know if that's safe. That means they don't know if it's safe to go alongside any. It also talks about just other, other medications. Paxlovid, anything else. They've never tested them along each other, but they're telling you to get them together. This is asinine. Guys, this is unprecedented. It's dangerous. As I said, round and round we go. We, we really need to rewatch facts and realize how right they were. Now they're circling back to the MMR jab? Seriously? Why? So it can take the blame, maybe? That's certainly an interesting thought. In any case, friends don't let friends take dangerous injections. Just say no. Hashtag just say no. Right? 
Remember the time when they said, don't let pressure people pressure you into taking experimental drugs? <laughs> Look where we are. Now it's the government going, take these experimental drugs, do it. You're supposed to. It's the same thing. You're back in back in elementary or high school all over again, being forced to take something you don't want to. I mean, how good God. I shouldn't make a joke about it to you guys. This is this is alarming stuff. I mean, it really is. I mean, that, we're we're gonna leave it there for today. It's so very obvious. I mean, we all see it. I that's my point. I think everybody sees this. And all we need to do is make sure we all acknowledge that we all see it. The, the majority of this country, as they were even forced to admit, are not even in, they don't even have injections. Remember, they lied about that number. They, they Even the CDC, I think, put it at under 50%. You are the majority out there, ladies and gentlemen. You are not alone. No matter what they tell you, recognize that. And we are making a difference, no matter what they tell you, with every single thing we do. And I mean, as a community, not just the last American vagabond. So keep doing it. Keep fighting. Stay the course. I believe, I, I mean, I, I know that we're changing the world. Keep doing it. I love you guys, as always. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Tonight, keeping drug companies honest, a story that's simply stunning about multi-million dollar profits and illegal activity at this country's biggest drug company. The Justice Department alleges Johnson & Johnson boosted sales by paying millions of dollars in kickbacks to pharmacists and doctors who pushed the drug Risperdal to patients who did not need it. The medical editors of that journal accused the drug company Merck of misleading them about the dangers of Vioxx, of hiding the fact that it caused even more heart attacks than previously known. Johnson & Johnson paid $2.2 billion. Eli Lilly paid $1.4 billion. Pfizer and its subsidiary paid $2.3 billion. And GlaxoSmithKline paid out a record $3 billion. For seven years, Glaxo failed to report data showing its best-selling diabetes drug. Avandia increased the risk of heart attack by as much as 40%. Opioid epidemic has killed more than 400,000 Americans. Tonight, Purdue agreeing to pay more than $8 billion in penalties. Antidepressant Paxil wasn't approved for use by patients under 18. The company illegally marketed the drug for use by children, even when a clinical trial found teenagers who took the drug for depression were more likely to commit suicide than those taking a placebo. Purdue Pharma pleading guilty to felony charges of defrauding federal health agencies and violating federal kickback laws for inducing doctors to prescribe those powerful opioids. Glaxo also hired a company to write a medical journal article downplaying the risks. The firm used PR firms and paid several doctors, including the U.S. celebrity doctor, Drew Pinsky, to promote the drug. If you can't trust medical research that gets published in very established journals, what can you trust? But as Bob Orr reports, the massive settlement may not lead to much change. Is fraud the business model of the pharmaceutical industry? No one's going to jail. No one's going to prison. And worse yet, they've set up a situation where Purdue is going to be able to continue on. You look at this thing, and I mean, if Pfizer is too big to fail, and even the biggest fine in history is just a few months profit, then what's going to stop it from illegally promoting other drugs? Critics say Anderson nothing.